now I love rejection. Honestly, I, it fuels me. And if I wasn't, if I didn't learn how to handle rejection and why I was hurt through that rejection, then I don't think I would be where I'm at and like happy where I'm at. Yeah. I think that's incredibly true. Welcome to the Mark Colson Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Mark Holzer Podcast. I hope you guys had a great weekend, and I hope you've had a great start to the week. You've probably realized this episode is not coming out on Monday. It's coming out on Wednesday, and what I've realized is that the episodes coming out on Mondays is a complete pain in my ass. I usually have a pretty busy weekend, and that makes it difficult for the podcast to be ready on Monday. So here's what I'm thinking. The podcast from now till I potentially change my mind is going to be coming out on Wednesdays. So be on the lookout for a new episode every Wednesday. I've got some great guests lined up that I can't wait for you guys to listen to. Now, before we get into today's episode, please stop what you're doing right now and hit the little download button on whatever platform that you're listening to this episode on. So right next to the episode, right next to the title or something like that should be a little check mark. Maybe it's a little plus sign. If you guys can hit that, I would really, really appreciate it. I know I say this every week, but it helps out a ton. So please and thank you to everyone who takes a second and downloads each episode, along with all the people who share the podcast. That really does mean the world to me. So thank you again for that. Now for today's episode, our guest is Christy Fisher. She's been a good friend of mine for years now, and her story of pursuing a dream, dealing with rejection and overcoming it all has always been inspiring to me. So I asked her to come on here and talk about it because I feel like a lot of people will relate in one way or another. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Christy Fisher. How's it going, Christy? Welcome to the Mark Holzer Podcast. How's your day going? Oh, it's going well. Thanks, Mark. Thanks are, for having me. Are you nervous? I am. Do I look nervous? Slightly. <laughs> I'm always nervous. Have you ever been on a podcast before? I have never been on a podcast before. Well, this is the number one podcast in the world. It is. Uh, we have 7 billion listeners. It's mm-hmm. listened by every human in the entire world, so no pressure. No pressure. I've, <laughs> I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm excited to have this conversation because... This has been something that I feel like a lot of people will relate to your story in one way or another. Obviously, the experience is different. You know, I don't I don't know anybody else that's, you know, tried to pursue what you pursued. But at the same time, I feel like there's going to be a lot of people who have who are listening to this who will definitely relate in so many different ways. So I kind of just want to jump into it. So let's Mm -hmm. just uh, let's just jump into it. So, Christy, explain kind of a little bit about. Uh, when you graduated from high school, what you wanted to do with your life, kind of how that path looked, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when I graduated high school, I've always been a dancer. I started dancing when I was three. So um, it was either, you know, go to college, go away to college and keep dancing on a dance team or do something with dance. Dance was pretty much my only thing that I looked forward to with like as a career. I didn't yeah. know what I wanted to do, to be honest. Um, so after high school, I was accepted into Michigan State, but I was deferred from the first semester. Okay. So from there, I was I had to make a decision of if I was going to stay home, you know, go to community college or whatnot, and then go to Michigan State for the following semester. So I decided to try out for the NBA Detroit Pistons um, following, you know, graduating high school. And I was like, you know what, I'll just try out. And if I make it, great. If I don't, then I stay home for a semester and then go to Michigan State. So I ended up making it, and um, I did three amazing seasons um, for the Detroit Pistons, and I went, I stayed home um, and did community college for two years, 
Um, and then my third year of the Detroit Pistons, I was actually commuting back and forth from Michigan State. Okay, so you were so even though you were only deferred for a semester, mm-hmm. you ended up deciding to uh, because you were on the Pistons um, dance team, mm-hmm. you decided to continue doing that, go to community college save up some money or whatever, Mm -hmm. and then go to Michigan State a few years later. Yeah. And that wasn't really in the plan right off the bat, but I also didn't think I would make the dance team. Okay. So I didn't really think that far ahead. You know, I I tried out at 17. I did not think I was going to make the Pistons. So I didn't think like, you know, how many years I'm going to stay home or whatnot. But it just kind of happened that way. And, you know, I'm really glad that I I made it, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So... Okay, so then you were you did three seasons on the Detroit Pistons dance mm-hmm. team, and then you went to Michigan State, and you ended up on the dance team at Michigan State, right? Yep. yep. And so you were what, a junior then? I was technically a junior, yes. Okay. So how many years were you on Michigan State's dance team? So I was on the dance team for two years. Okay. Um, I did a fifth year, as like just in college in general. Yeah. Um, one, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and two, I wanted to stay on the dance team. Yeah. Um, dance team is kind of like just what I was used to, you know, yep. you growing up in studio, you're used to like a team setting. Then I went to Pistons team setting, um, you know, Michigan state team setting. I just wanted to stay with that team setting. Yeah. So, okay. So now you're five years post removed from, from high school. Mm-hmm. And so what kind of, you know, dreams and, uh, and goals did you have with, you know, okay, what was life looking like after you were done with all of that? What were, what was kind of on your radar? Mm-hmm. So also kind of just to go back with, you know, graduating high school, I did want to move out to California. Um, that was like a goal of mine, but I was too scared. I didn't want to do it right away. One, didn't have the money. Mom and dad wasn't going to support me and two, well, support me financially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Always support me. But um, and then but also the, one of the biggest goals of mine was to try out for the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. And that was because they're one of the most well-known dance teams in the United States. Yeah. Um, you know, they're the best of the best. And that's kind of what I've always wanted to do is go for the best of the best, the hardest team to make in my opinion, you know? Um, So that was one of the biggest goals and throughout, you know, Detroit Pistons throughout college um, in general and Michigan state dance team, I wanted to travel for the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. So you had that goal from like what age you constantly had that goal? Um, I would say probably like towards the end of high school. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know necessarily what team or where I'd want to be, but the Dallas Cowboy Trailers has always been well known. Yeah. Um, and like realistically, I never really thought I could make the team. Yeah. And then once I made like Detroit Pistons, I was my confidence kind of like grew and things like that. So I was like, maybe this could be a realistic goal. You know, I'm going to try out for this team. Yeah. So, okay. And just so everybody knows, so Christy and I both went to Michigan state at the same time. So Mm -hmm. that's how we met. I believe we met once you started actually going to Michigan state, we met around that time. And then I remember when you were getting ready to graduate from Michigan state, that's when the idea of trying out for the Dallas Cowboy tutors came into fruition. Mm -hmm. And so kind of explain how did that process all go down? How did, did did you just apply? Like, what was that whole process like? Yeah, it was it's a very like intense process. Um, well, like during like towards the end of graduation, um, I did try out, you have to like apply, but, um, they open it to anyone that wants to try out for the dance team. Um, and so we, one of my best friends, Carly and I, we drove down and we tried out for, um, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. We drove down a couple times for like some prep classes, but we really didn't know exactly what we were getting into, 
with like everything with, you know, there's a Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders making the team and things like that, which they don't really talk about. When you, um, when you say that making the team is mm-hmm. a TV show, it is a TV show on okay. CMT. Yeah. yeah. So there it, it is. It's more intense than it looks like. I didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't really want watch the show before. Um, one, I didn't want to psych myself out. Um, and two, I just wanted to experience it like wholeheartedly raw in my own opinion. Um, so we drove down there. Um, there was a first day of like, um, prelims where you go and you freestyle um and you know you just have to make it you you want to make it every single cut obviously um, yeah. to stay for the next day so uh first day was freestyle um i made it through freestyle uh, i think the second day was the the prelims where you come and you learn a short routine and they'll do the kick line as well and then you want to make it through that and if you make it through the first weekend then you're going to go you know to finals so i know it does change a little bit every year and especially like with COVID it's, it's a lot different. Yeah. But, um, my process was, you know, two days and then the next weekend or two weekends after was the finals. So okay. I made it through the first weekend. Um, and then I made it to finals. Okay. Before you go even further, yeah. <laughs> I feel like where was your confidence level at, at that point? Like you make it to finals at that point, how confident did you feel? Because at this point, you hadn't really been rejected at all, mm-hmm. right? Like when you tried out for the Detroit Pistons dance team, you made that. When you tried out for the Michigan State dance team, you made that. Mm-hmm. So had you been really rejected yet? Um, As bad as it sounds, like I don't think I was ever really prepared to be rejected. So, okay. So then, so going into these finals, how confident were you that you were going to make the team? I was confident in my dancing, but also like, looking around and seeing the talent there, like it is a different talent pool. Like it's, it is the best of the best. You know, I was watching dancers get cut before me, um, even within like prelims. And so that kind of gets in your head a little bit because you're like, wow, these are, you know, I, I think in my opinion, these girls are more talented than I am and they're getting cut. But like looking at where I was and how many things I had on my resume, I was pretty confident that I could see myself on that team. Okay. So, all right, so now go into finals, what was finals like and what happened with that? Yeah, so finals was pretty intense. You had to prepare your own solo. Um, I came where I, um, you know, I performed my solo. I had my own costume and things like that. And um, everyone either, you either had to hire hire a choreographer or you did your own solo and um, you go and you perform. And then after it's, you know, it's pretty intense with like the cuts and having the TV show aspect, like, They'll pull you aside for interviews and things like that. So um, it's a it's a long day. You're there like all day. So you're mentally and physically exhausted. But um, my spirits were still pretty high. I think I like I did really well on my solo, in my opinion. Um, I gave it my all. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I did not make it to train camp. So before you found out that you didn't make it. Mm hmm. What was your thought process on? Had you thought about, OK, if I get rejected from this? what, like, what is my next step? Yeah. I didn't have that plan. Okay. So, cause you were still living in Michigan at the time. I right? was, yeah, I wasn't, I'd never, I didn't officially move to Texas before tryouts. Um, I didn't in my head, I was like, okay, well, after I make it to training camp, I'll have a few weeks in between to, you know, go home, pack my things, move back, you know, and get settled in for training camp. Cause it's a longer process. Um, I did not, think I would be cut before training camp. So my thought process of, 
you know, I'm, am I, where am I living after this? Like, it wasn't a thing. You know, I, I just graduated college. I still didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I didn't think about the next step. Okay. So then, so then you find out that you didn't make it to training camp. So what is, what does that mean? You like, if somebody makes it to training camp, are they on the team? No. So training camp is still part of the audition process. Okay. Um, and it's, it's just where you learn more of their dances, um, sidelines and all of this. Like they throw so much at you during training camp. Um, just from what I've heard. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's a long process. I think you can get cut like all the way up until the first game. Uh, you can go through like even, you know, trying on the uniform and things like that. Um, and it, that could go for, you know, some people it goes for like two weeks, some t- people it goes for months. So it really, it's a long process and it's different for everyone. Okay. So how many people, I don't even know if you know, like, I guess like all of these mm-hmm. numbers, but like how many people make it to training camp and then how many actually end up on the legitimate team? Um, I don't know the exact numbers. I know it does change every year, but like, um, going into finals, I think it was like 70 people and then taking them into training camp. I believe it was like 45. Um, and then from training camp makes it on the team. It's anywhere from like 36 to 30, 32 to 36. Okay. So basically about 80% of the people, 90% of the people who make it to training camp, then make it onto the team. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So then you don't make it to training camp. And what was the reaction like with your family and kind of what, when did you formulate the next step? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I feel like it was like yesterday, but it does feel like it feels like a long time ago to keep like bringing this and thinking about, but um, you know, I was obviously like heartbroken Um, and I had my family there. I had that support. I had, um, you know, my best friend, we both didn't make it into training camp. So it, I definitely felt supported, but I felt, to be honest, like a huge failure. That was the first time like I was rejected from something that, you know, I I feel like I put a lot of hype into like making the team and, you know, telling, I literally told everyone what I wanted to do. You know, I had a lot of support of people like voting for me to go into training camp or like, and things like that. And I felt like I let everyone down. Um, so I, I don't think I took like, enough time to process it for like how I felt personally. It was more so like I felt like a failure for letting other people down. Um, And then I had a lot of support from my family, obviously of like to keep going. Yeah. Um, So like the next step, I don't think I really gave it a thought of to not try out again um, or to not move to Texas. That was stuck in my brain from when I was graduating college. Like the thought of, staying in Michigan wasn't a thought because I thought I would be on the Dallas Cowboy trailer. So, um, I stuck to my plan of moving to Dallas and, um, you know, Carly and I, my best friend moved together, um, in hopes of making it the second year. Okay. So, and I remember that because I believe if I remember all the timelines correctly, I was living my last year in East Lansing before moving out to LA Mm -hmm. when you tried out And then I remember, I can actually remember that day like it was yesterday. I was outside walking on the sidewalk on the phone with you and you were, you were crying and telling me that you didn't make it. How many times have I been on the phone with you crying though? A few times, a few times in our friendship, but, uh, we have some very real conversations, people. That's what real friendship looks like. But, um, but yeah, and I remember you telling me that you were going to try out again next year. And I remember Mm -hmm. kind of thinking like, shit, that's a whole year away. Like, 
I don't plan anything more than like two months out. I'm going back to Michigan in like two weeks. I don't even have a plane mm-hmm. ticket yet for that. So <laughs> the, um, you know, it, it, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, that's, that's crazy because like, I get it. I get obviously wanting to do that, but damn, that sucks that you have to wait a year to even see if the, if you make it again. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, and at that time, I think if I remember correctly, we had talked about the idea of like, could you ever see yourself in LA? Because at mm-hmm. that point, like I was getting close to moving out to LA. I think I was, I was six months or five months away from moving out there myself. Mm-hmm. And so then I remember I moved out to LA and you were living in Dallas at that time mm-hmm. and we were staying in contact and things like that. And so kind of go over what happened over the course of that next year, you know, you were prepping for the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders to try out again. Mm-hmm. And was it that the goal was so strong of like wanting to make the team or was it that the like rejection fueled you? Like just, you know, knowing that you wanted to kind of have the happy ending to the story. What right. fueled you to like really practice that next year? Yeah. Well, I definitely don't want to say that I didn't genuinely want to be on that team. I definitely, you know, I saw myself on the team. I really, really did want it. Um, you know, there were things that happened through the audition that I necessarily wasn't like in love with the whole process. Um, nothing against the organization or anything like that, but it wasn't something that like truly made my heart happy, but it was like what? Can we talk about that? <laughs> Who the hell have we got to defend here? They're not listening to this. And if they do, maybe they'll learn something from it. Hey, you never know. But um, yeah, we can, I mean, we can get into that. But to answer your question, it was definitely the rejection that fueled me. I don't like to be told no. Um, and at that point in my life, I didn't know how to process no. Um, like I know how to process no now. So um, yeah, the rejection definitely fueled me to keep going. Um, I moved out to Dallas with no job, um, really no plan. I, I feel like that's like a thing with my life is just to do thing with things with no plan. But, um, yeah, I moved out there. I got a job. Um, it was an awesome opportunity. It was a great job. Um, worked for a D magazine, which was super fun, made a lot of friends. Um, and everything just kind of kept like, felt like, right. You know, I, I was, you know, I just felt like I was in the right place. So I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, Heck, I have 365 days until the next audition, but everything's kind of fitting how it's supposed to fit. You know, I wasn't um, I wasn't really thinking about, you know, not making it. I was like, OK, you know, I'm going to prep. I'm going to be ready. You know, this time I'm out here. I'm living here like I'm, I'm not, you know, all over the place anymore, you know. Um, so, yeah, the prep, you know, was just to to keep going as many classes, take as many prep classes as I can. Now that I was living out there, you know, I wasn't a. 16 hour drive anymore just to take a Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders prep class. So, um, I felt like I could be more prepared. So it kind of reminds me, this is, I'm, I'm joking about this, but it reminds me of, uh, do you remember in happy Gilmore when he's in the uh, batting cages and he's taking the, just having the balls hit him in the chest and the guy's like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? And he's like 365 days until next year's hockey tryouts. (laughs) And it kind of, kind of reminds me of that just prepping, but, uh, but, uh, yeah. So, okay. So then over the course of that next year, Mm -hmm. Did you ever think to yourself, okay, so what happens if I don't make it again? No, Mark, we've talked about this. I don't really really think about that outcome. Well, now I do, but... But no one brought it up to you? like Because I remember at the time Mm -hmm. we had had the conversation of kind of like, well, what's what's next? I don't know if we talked about like, okay, if you try out again next year and you don't make it, because it also made sense. At the time you said to me, you were like, here's the thing, I'm 
just graduating from uh, college. I didn't really have time to prep. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to spend a year in Dallas. That's a year to make connections with some of these people to, you know, Mm -hmm. go to these prep classes to continue improving upon my abilities, yada, yada, yada. I don't need to travel now out to Dallas. I live there. Mm -hmm. So even in my head at the time, I was like, okay, she's going to she's going to make the team. I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty sure you brought up not making it. I think you were the only person that actually, you know, mentioned that to me. Like, what will your plan be if you don't make it? I might have brought it up like, right. Yeah, I I probably did. I probably did. I'm always a realist of like, all right, well, like, you know, hypothetically speaking, you don't make the team. What happens? Right. And, you know, that went through one ear and out the other. (laughs) (laughs) Like most of the things you'd say to me. You know, (laughs) totally fine. Totally fine. So, okay, so then get into the next the upcoming summer you're getting ready for the tryouts and everything mm-hmm. like that kind of where was your head at at the time um you know i was pretty confident i literally spent 365 days prepping for this audition like no joke i was doing the kick line every single day i already knew it so i felt like i had that advantage you know i went in really confident um i thought um and i didn't really think about the rejection or the failure um, i feel like i I made more connections, um, you know, with the, with the Dallas Cowboys. I felt like I, you know, put my name out there. I went to more classes. I was seen. I was kind of, I felt like I was doing everything that everyone told me to do. You know, um, there's girls that, you know, take four, five, six, seven years to make the team. So in my head, I'm, I didn't see that first year as like, you know, oh my gosh, I didn't make it like, you know, horrible. You know, I, I didn't feel that pressured on it, to be honest, but yeah. I did like I felt pressure for myself just because I'm like, okay, this is my year. Like not take like I'm not taking no for an answer this year. Obviously it wasn't my choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So then you get into, so get into what happened that second year. Mm-hmm. So pretty much the same type of thing happened. You know, I went through the first two days, um, you know, really confident and I did well. Um, I felt like I did well um, with, freestyle and semis and things like that and I also I made it to finals again um and you know I felt like I did my best with finals and unfortunately the same outcome happened you know I I didn't make it to training camp um which I at least in my mind I was like okay I'm gonna make it to training camp because they saw what I brought last year I'm even better this year in my opinion um I'm stronger you know I don't just with all aspects of it, you know, my interview, I knew what to expect. I just felt like I was more prepared. Um, and I was like, at least I want to make the training camp so that I can prove to them that I deserve a spot on this team. And when the training camp didn't happen again, I felt like, you know, I, I felt just really defeated, but also like, I was like, they don't even, they don't know me. Like they don't know how much I've worked for this. Like they, they didn't, I didn't have an opportunity to show how much and how hard I've worked for this because I I stopped at the same exact spot from the first year. So I was like, the second year hit really hard because there was no progression. Yeah. For me. So so how did you so you said you mentioned earlier that you said you didn't there were some aspects of the process that you weren't a big mm-hmm. fan of. So before we get into kind of what happened after the second year of not making it to finals, mm-hmm. what parts of the process did you not like? Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still a big fan of the organization in general. I don't ever want it to seem like I'm, I'm talking crap about that by any means or bitter in any way or shape or form, just to put that out there. Yeah. No, but having, having an opinion about 
you know, how you felt about it mm-hmm. is is always you're allowed to have an opinion. Yeah, it's, it's healthy. Yeah, I don't look at that as, as talking shit. I think that's just a, a matter of being honest of what aspects you didn't like in the process. That's right. completely fine. <laughs> so, I mean, the first year, I don't think I really noticed it as much. Um, there was a few things where I was like, ah, you know, like the TV show following you around or like, you know, just really trying to like get at the emotional aspect of it, but not really like the true emotion of the, of it. Like um, if I was upset about something, like they'd say, oh, oh you're upset because your friend was cut. I'm like, well, I didn't really say that. Yeah. But it, that was like the first kind of like trigger to me, but I didn't really understand like what really was bothering me um, of the process till the second year. Um, that's when you're more like, quote unquote, like known to be trying out. And there's, there's something called a DCC forum, um, which the second year is where it really was like, it was mind fucking to be honest. It was like, it truly caused a lot of emotional damage. What, what is the DCC forum? Um, I don't even know if I know the true, like who runs it or whatnot, but there's a, a forum that people, um, who, you know, they don't say who they are. They make up a fake username and they'll talk, you know, details, um, a lot of not true. Like a lot of like lies are put into these forums of like who's trying out or, you know, why someone didn't make it or if someone's coming back and who, they saw her in this class. But like so many things that were not true that I let get to me. And, you know, I was warned about the DCC forum, you know, like, don't, don't read it. It's, it's going to get in your head. I'm like, "Mm, I'm fine. Like, I'm going to read it. And it's like, there was things, you know, about my body and about my, you know, my, what work I needed done or how I would look in the uniform and things like that. It's just like, it, it got in my head a lot. And like, if that was a part of the process that like, I didn't genuinely love, um, also like listening to a lot of people's like opinion of, you know, changing how the way I looked because I was just, I was another blonde, you know, I was another skinny blonde when it's like, you know, that that's, that's me. Sorry. Like at the end of the day, it's like, would I like to (laughs) gain a little bit of weight on my, like, and look more womanly? Yeah. But I'm not, that's, this is me. And it's like, so when people would say like, you know, try to, try to gain more weight or try to, I don't even know. It was like so many different things I would hear and get thrown at me where it's like, I can't change. That's, that's not me. So was it, so the DCC forum, so were the people that were commenting or the people who are writing in there, was that people who were directly involved with the team or people who like, I guess you weren't exactly sure who it was, yeah. but was it kind of thought to be people who are a part of the team or the decision-making processes or was it like random people who are watching the TV show? I would say I still don't know the, the answer. And if anyone does, please let me know. But I would say it's random people um, that know nothing about the organization. But I did hear that the organization and the decision makers look at that and yeah. see like who are the crowd favorites and okay. like, things like that. If Is that true? I don't know. I honestly do not know at all. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I mean, it kind of. Kind of would make sense to see what the public perception of certain people are. Mm-hmm. And kind of reminds me, honestly, there's like 
you know, reality TV shows where they obviously like Reddit, you know, mm-hmm. they talk about, oh, this person, that person, whatever. And, you know, with me, I've become friends with a lot of the people that have been on these various TV shows. And I'm like, that shit is blatantly false about that right. person, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, or the opposite. Sometimes like this person's awesome. I'm like, eh, questionable. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I can only imagine how frustrating that would be to have people kind of commenting on you and, and uh, you know, and your body and the way mm-hmm. you look and all that kind of stuff. And I remember at that time we had kind of talked about the politics behind all that kind of shit because, I remember even thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, maybe they have like a quota of we need, you know, 10 brunettes. We need uh, four blonde girls. We need uh, six Hispanic girls. We need, you know, yada, yada, yada down the road. Right. And and I was like, what if Christy's just not part of that? Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, that's something that she can't control. And so I was like, it's not always like the best you know, whatever it is, 32 to 36 uh, people who make the team, it's also the best mix of things that they have to, you know, the the proper amount of diversity and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just all different things like that. And I was like, shit, what if that's working against Christy? And that's not something she can control. And I understand it. I understand why they have to make those decisions. But you'll never know if that's the pro- like the actual reason why you didn't make the team. And, and I remember just kind of thinking to myself, like, cause I remember when you told me that you didn't make it the second year, I remember thinking, I think you said to yourself, like, I need a little time. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember just thinking to myself, cause at that point I was now living in LA and I remember just thinking to myself, cause there's so many, you know, big dance companies in LA. There's so many big dance schools and, and I'm probably messing up the terminology, but all these like badass places where these incredible dancers are dancing right. and I remember just thinking to myself, like, well, Christy could be out here killing mm-hmm. it with them. And and so I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I really hope she makes that jump and, and comes out to L.A. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really sure what you were going to do. I think you needed more time. And so what was that? What was that like? So yeah. you, you find out, obviously, you don't make it to the finals the second year. How long did it take before you decided what was next? Yeah, uh, I mean, that's a that's a good question. I, I mean, you know, I would even come out and visit you and like take class out here. Like I, I felt like I, I always came to take class. Like this was my LA was kind of my escape to, to take those classes that you couldn't take anywhere else. And like to experience that out here, like I, I always did that. Um, that was like my escape. Um, but it did take me some time after the second, you know, after the second time of getting cut to decide what I wanted to do. I just, in my heart, didn't feel like it was time to give up. You know, I had a lot of support from my family and friends. You know, I've made some of my best friends I made through this process of, of trying out for Dallas Cowboys Jewelers. And it's like, they all were trying out. And so like, I didn't want to be that person that was not going to try out again. You know, I wanted to do, I wanted to, to experience that with everyone again. Um, you know, and I was still, I was doing a, an ECHL hockey team at the time, um, dancing for them. And, um, a lot of the, the girls were doing that that too, a lot of my friends. And so they were like, you know, we're, we're going to try it again next year. So it's kind of like I was hopeful of making it, you know, the third year. It's not uncommon for girls to to try out three, four years. You know, that's so in my head, I was like, okay, you know, I'm really bummed. I'm dealing with a lot mentally um, that I have to work through with like confidence and things like that to get me to where I need to be to, in my mind, to make the team. Yeah. Um. But really, in reality, it was just 
in general, I needed to become healthier and stronger um, mentally. Yeah. And there was a, a lot of stuff that I experienced through the Dallas Cowboys that like, I, if I wasn't rejected, I, when would I have grown in that way? You know, I am thankful for getting rejected, you know, the first two times. Like if I'm like looking back at that time, I was thankful to be rejected because there's a lot I learned from that. Um, but it did take me a while to be like, OK, I'm going to, you know, keep pushing through. And this year is going to be my year. Um, a lot changed that year, though. It was, you know, I don't even know. There was like they were like, well, you need to change your look. If you're going to try it a third time, you need to change your look somehow. So I'm like, okay, well, how can I change the look? You know, I can't pull off brunette. Like that's not going to happen. And like, then you start going through mind games of, you know, how many brunettes are retiring or how many blondes are retiring. It's like, I was always like, well, I want to prove myself that I can be one of those blondes. Like, even though, you know, some people say it's a number game. Some people say it's not, you know, I don't really know at the end of the day, we don't know. But I was like, how can I change my look to be what they want? And instead of being like, how can I become, you know, more me? to be a better Christy. It was all focused on how can I fit their mold? Right. And to be honest, I think that's, that's where I went wrong in all reality. I think I kept focusing on fitting their mold because I truly didn't know myself fully. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I think about if I was one of those women or trying to think in the minds of like, what are some of those women thinking about I mean, that that seems like such crazy advice to give to somebody because I feel like they might then be thinking to themselves like, so do I need to go get a nose job? Do mm-hmm. I need to go get a boob job? Do yeah. I need to go like, you know, drastically change my hair color? Do yeah. I need to go, you know, whatever, right? Do I need lip injections? Do yeah. I need, you know, blah, 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 right? Like that seems like a crazy, crazy, crazy thing to be telling somebody. Yeah. Did any, I mean, without obviously mentioning names, but did you see people kind of do crazy things like, you know, plastic surgery or whatever? Not obviously that that's crazy, but like if, if somebody did that for the show or for the, to make the team. Yeah. Um, it's funny you say that because the forum actually said that, um, my mom put out publicly that I needed a nose job and that she didn't, my mom said that she didn't know why I wasn't getting a nose job, which was never said. It was someone that just made something up. But like in my head, I'm like, every time I looked in the mirror, I'm like, oh, you're right. I need a nose job. Like I need to get this done. Or like it said, like I need to get my boobs done because I need to look more womanly. And it's like it, those things do run through your your brain. And there were things that even like I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. Like I'm not ashamed of it. Like I did. I did change some things because of things I read or things I felt like insecure about because of DCC. Like they said, like they didn't like my teeth. So I went and got braces and you can't even see them because they're behind my teeth, but I still have braces on. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Like currently right now you do? <laughs> yeah. You can't even see them. They're behind my teeth, but, and I'm supposed to get them off soon, but. <laughs> wow. Holy yeah. fuck. I didn't even know that. Yeah. And that's something that like, I literally feel every day behind my teeth as a reminder, like you did this because you felt inclined to do this because of someone else's opinion. Now, do I like my teeth better now? hundred percent. But I did that because like I did that because I was influenced by someone's opinion. Did I get a nose job? No. A boob job? No. But I did see girls throughout the process, you know, make subtle changes, um, you know, whether with their appearance because of things that they read. And, and 
you know, I'm all for you doing something that makes you feel better and makes you feel more confident. But if you're doing it because of someone else's opinion, you know, that's, that's, that's messed up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough too, because even as like a photographer, I've had people, cause I'm very close with a lot of the people that I shoot with. And I've had people say to me before, do you think I should get a nose job? Or do you think mm-hmm. I should get a boob job? Or, you know, would that help me with this, this or this, or, you know, whatever. And I'm always like, man, you, you can't ask me that because it, it's not my life. It's not my decision. Right. And also like, if you get that done and you regret it later, I don't want to be the reason why you, you did that. And also most of the time someone would be like, Oh, I need to get a nose job. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what's wrong with your nose. It doesn't bother me. Like, you know, and, and I'm just like, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy because obviously there are all these like cultural pressures and, and, um, you know, societal pressures to, you know, have your nose look this way, have your boobs look this way, have your butt look this way, mm-hmm. have your legs, you, you know, oh, you can't have cellulite, you can't have, you know, whatever. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's just, I mean, it, it's, uh, it, that's the one thing that probably worries me about the youth and everything like mm-hmm. that. And it's all these, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but all these apps like Facetune and, yeah. and things like that, where you can drastically change how you look and, and people are, you know, editing their skin. So it looks like a porcelain doll. And I'm yeah. just like, that's not realistic. Like right. we have fucking pores and shit. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I, I, I do worry about that with the next generation, especially because they don't remember what life was like before all of that, yeah. you know? So, so how did you, I guess, outside of the braces, Yeah. <laughs> how did you stop yourself from doing, I guess, anything like super drastic? Yeah. I mean, through the process, you know, I definitely, I'm not going to lie, like I, I saw a counselor, I, you know, focused more on my mental health of like what Christy wanted what made Christy happy which is still an you know an ongoing thing that everyone should work on every day but um uh, my mental you know toughness started really kicking in the second year you know it was it took a lot of work of like okay you can either sit here and listen to what everyone's talking you know saying about you um which not everyone was talking crap believe me I had like a lot of support too but like when you hear those negative negative things you focus on well me personally, where I was at in my life, I focused on those negative. Oh, negativity. we all, we all do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think what stopped me was when I really started like loving myself and realizing what Christy wanted, I, the opinion, the opinions of others had less value. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to go get surgery. I mean, braces, to be honest, that was drastic enough for me. It wasn't a, it costed a pretty penny and it's still costing me, but yeah. you know, that was, that was something that, you know, I never even noticed a flaw with my teeth. And then when someone pointed it out and I was like, yeah, you're right. And, I, and then I saw it in every single picture and every single video and every like, and I am glad I did something about it, you know, but I wasn't going to get the plastic surgery and I'm not saying I never would, you know, I'm not against that, but like me personally, like I, I started to love myself for exactly how I was, you know, yeah. and, I'm imperfect, you know, everyone has their imperfections. And it's like, once you can start realizing those are who you make, like what makes you, you, then you can strive with that. And I'm not saying I was like fully confident in that second year going into the third year by any means, but I was realizing slowly that the negativity that I was, you know, reading was not going to affect my life. Yeah. Um, again, was I thinking about the outcome of not making it my third year? 
Still, no, I was not. Because I thought, you know, I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm getting better. I'm uh, mentally and physically getting stronger to be on this team. Yeah. So, okay. So then going into the third year, mm-hmm. what, what was, what was your confidence? Like, I guess now it's, now it's, you're getting ready for your third time mm-hmm. trying out. I'm assuming you now feel like, okay, I know everything. Like I, I got this down, mm-hmm. right? Like this is this, wh- were you thinking to yourself at that time? Like, this is it. Like if I yeah. don't make it, I, I need to figure out what my next path is or mm-hmm. what was that looking like? Did you even think about what if I don't make it the third time? So this is where I went wrong. I was doing really well, pretty confident until about a month before tryouts, you know, and I let, you know, change look get in my head. So I cut my bangs and I had bangs and I hated what I looked like. Um, it wasn't me. I didn't feel sexy. I didn't feel confident. I did it to try to be different um, because no one had bangs. No one had straight hair. So I went into the auditions like, like yeah, I, I still danced the, my ass off, but I looked in the mirror and I was like, I don't even recognize myself. And I, I think I knew then going into auditions that like that's not where, this isn't where I want to be. But I still wasn't going to give up because I didn't want to let others down and myself down of being rejected again. And I remember you saying that to me on the phone. I remember Mm -hmm. you saying to me, I'm just so something along the lines of like, I'm so embarrassed. I'm letting so many people down. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, like, damn, that's all so mental for her Mm -hmm. because like nobody else, like for a lack of better words, nobody else gives a fuck. Like we, we want you to be happy. But like, there's not going to be a single person in your life that's going to go, well, I'd, I'd rather Christy make the team than not be happy. And like, mm-hmm. man, if she doesn't make the team, she's a fucking loser. Like <laughs> nobody was thinking that. Right. But I could, I, I, I felt so bad at the time because when you were saying that, I remember just being like, damn, like I want you to make the team. But at the same time, like we're all going to love and support you regardless of whether you make the team or not. And like, Mm -hmm. if you don't make the team or not, doesn't mean that you're not a great dancer. That's when it gets into the politics of things. And like, you're not always the best people are not always chosen. That goes into literally everything. Everything, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's definitely something that I thought about at the time of like, man, you're not letting anybody down by not, by not making it like it. That's all mental. You know, so, okay. So then go into, so then you are in that process and you're Mm -hmm. not liking how your, your hair is looking and things Mm -hmm. like that, but you're, you're doing well dancing and everything like that. I would assume. Yeah. Um, you know, it it was pretty similar to the other two years, um, with, I made it through prelims, which was the freestyle again. Um, but different from the other two years is semis came and they cut me. Um, I didn't make it to finals. Oh, damn. I don't even remember that. Mm-hmm. And I try to forget about it. Too. No, I'm just <laughs> um, I didn't make it. And like right off the bat, I had people saying, well, they didn't like your hair. And I'm like, that's not what you tell someone. Like, yeah. you know, I, you know, there, it could have been a different pa- a talent pool where they had way more talented dancers there. You know, it's don't freaking say it's my hair when I can't change anything about my hair. You know, it's like, I don't know. I just felt like. I don't, I was so defeated and so upset. Like I, I remember right when I was cut, I went to the bathroom and like, I literally couldn't look at anyone because I was so embarrassed. Um, 
I was happy for, you know, everyone that made it obviously. And, um, I just like, I wanted to get out of there so bad because I didn't want people to like see me upset. You know, I was cut before finals, which I, I made the two previous years and, you know, in the bathroom, I was like, okay, like, like, this is it. I need to be able to accept that I didn't make it and walk out not crying. So I'm like trying to gather my things and I'm like walking out as quick as possible. And I remember like CMT came up to me with like the cameras in my face and I'm like, I just need a second. Like, I don't want to be rude. Like, I don't want to be like, get the camera out of my face. But like, I just need a second to breathe. Cause like, I literally was, I couldn't even breathe. I was so upset. And they were like, are you coming back next year? Like that was the first thing that they said. And I, I like look at him. I like, like lifted my head up and I'm like, can't even breathe like how can I even think about like a year down the road and they were like well if you if you decide to come back um we'll share a story on you of your fourth year and I remember looking at them and in my head it was a switch and I was like I don't want your story of me being told yeah I want to share my own story and this is not where my story is going to continue it's going to be told on the Markles or podcast. It's going to be told on the <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's the crazy part about reality TV shows and things like that is that there are real people mm-hmm. that are, you know, the ones on camera. And I used to always, you know, when I would watch those shows, you know, I probably I'd never watched that show particularly. But like if I was, I probably would have been like, oh, shit, is she coming back next year? Like, we're going to find out, you know. Yeah. Now, knowing people that have been on these various TV shows and whatnot, I'm like, damn, that's a real fucking human that we're not allowing to have a second to breathe and 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 fucking process what yeah. they're going through and, and to deal with all of that. And instead, we're just trying to make entertainment. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just so messed up. And it's and it's unfortunate that those sorts of things play a role because it's like you're a real human who just went through a a third year of getting rejected and now having to figure out where is the next step of your life. That's three years of your life that you've now had that, you know, that you've been actively pursuing that. Mm -hmm. And to kind of like dumb it down to like, so are you going to be back next year? It's kind of like, damn, like, are we really minimizing that person to just that, you know, few week process when that's a whole year, that's a whole chapter of her life. That's a big chunk of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really messed up when you think about it. Yeah. And I think there is a, I think there was a, a positive side of having the, the television show. You know, it got to, it got to show the process and a lot of girls like who can't experience it, like what the process is of trying out for an NFL dance team. So I definitely think there is a good side of it um, to broadcast, but there is definitely a side that, turned me off from the experience. Yeah. So how quickly after the third year of mm-hmm. not making it, did you say, all right, I'm done for good, like for sure? When I walked out of the gate. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. you knew right then and there, 100%, I'm done. I, You know, to be honest, I can't remember every detail of our conversations because we've had many over mm-hmm. the years, but I couldn't remember how quickly after that. So, okay, so then what, I guess... How were you doing mentally at that time? Mm-hmm. What was kind of going on? Like you get home, obviously you have to tell people. <laughs> um, how were you doing mentally at that time? Yeah. So, I mean, I knew I was done 
when I walked out of the gate, I was like, I'm not doing this again. I need to, I need to come up with a different plan, a different goal. Um, but it was still obviously embarrassing to tell people I didn't make it again. Um, but I also did not have a plan at that time. You know, I still had a, an apartment. I had a job in Texas. Um, so it's like, where was my life going to shift? Like, was I going to move back to Michigan and, you know, settle down, be by my family? But I was like so torn because I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm not ready to stop dancing. Um, and, you know, I had I had a, that moment where, you know, I was obviously sad for a little bit. And I let myself be sad. Um, but then it was like, okay, plan of action time. Like, what am I going to do? When am I going to try out for another team in a different state? Am I going to move home? Like, what am I going to do? So I always wanted to move to LA. Um, that was on my mind for a while. Um, but I was scared of getting rejected because I didn't like getting rejected uh, once a year from the Dallas Cowboys. I was scared, scared shitless to get rejected all the time in LA because that's how it is out here. You know, try out for different you know, dance teams or, um, auditions like all the time. And in my head, I'm like, that's just, that could be rejection every day or once a week. You know, I was like, I don't think I can deal with that. So LA scared me. I also thought about trying out for a different NFL team. Um, but it did take some time to process. And I did go home to Michigan for a couple months to like regroup and see where I wanted to be. I remember it because it's all flashing back to me now. You were debating trying out for the Miami Dolphins, right? Mm -hmm. I remember, didn't you go out to Miami? I did. And I remember, wow, it's all coming back to me. I remember us being on the phone and you saying to me, because we had talked about LA at that point. Mm -hmm. And I remember kind of thinking to myself, okay, Christy's either going to move back to Michigan, she's going to move out to LA, or she's going to stay in Dallas. And I remember we were on the phone and you're like, well, I actually might go to Miami. And I yep. remember just being like, what the fuck? Yeah. Because I was like, if you do that and you don't like how, how many times are you going to uproot your life for <laughs> something that like you don't, because, you know, getting into like the Miami Dolphins, it was like, that wasn't the goal before. The goal right. before was the, was the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. And this was before like the Detroit Pistons had a, had a cheer team. Um, Detroit Lions. What did I say? Detroit Pistons. Oh, yeah. Detroit Lions didn't Uh have one yet. Um, And so I remember just thinking, like, I wonder what she's going to do. And then I remember you mentioning Miami and just being like, man, I hope it's not Miami. And then (laughs) I remember that phone call when you called me and said, all right, like, L.A., it's happening. Yeah. Well, I was pretty dead set on Miami only because, you know, I had some girlfriends that went, you know, out to Miami and tried out and they were on the team. Um, and, and really like at that point, the team aspect was what I was comfortable with. You know, that's all I had experience with, you know? So I was like, okay, I just need to find, I'm going to find another team and another great team. Um, and, and the Miami Dolphins cheerleaders are, they are a great team. Um, and so I went out there for a prep class because I was like, okay, I'm going to, obviously I want to see how the whole, you know, everything goes before moving out there. Um, and I'm, went out there in the prep class, you know, it was great. It was fun. It was a good experience. Um, and I actually met my roommate who now lives here through that experience. So I'm really glad I did that, but there we go. yeah, <laughs> everything happens for a reason. But, yep. um, I went out there and something just didn't feel right. You know, I, I was like, okay, I'm, I, I don't want to be on a team right now. Not saying I never want to again in my life, but I wanted to do Christy. Yeah. And I didn't want to do another 
team. I didn't want to try to mold myself or feel like I had to mold myself to be a part of a specific group at that moment. And so that's when I was like, I was literally in Miami and I was like, okay, this was fun. This was a cool experience. I met some really cool girls, but this isn't where I'm going to be. And I'm going to move to LA and I have like a week to do it. Yeah. I remember that. Uh I remember you were coming out here and, uh, that was, I feel like right after I'd moved into this place, Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. 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 And, uh, so, okay. So then I guess like just kind of go through what were some of your goals moving out to LA and, and, mm-hmm. and what kind of, you know, made you excited for that? Yeah. So again, I didn't have a plan as you know, moving out here, I couch surfed and even stayed with you a little bit. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I didn't have a plan of like where I was going to work or anything like that. But one of my goals was to get signed with a talent agency, a dance agency out here. Um, you know, there's some of the, I mean, the best um, agencies are out here. And um, that was my first and foremost goal. Um, And I was like, okay, once I get signed, then they'll send me gigs. They'll send me job opportunities at different auditions and like, you know, take as much class as possible and just become like a better dancer, become a better Christy dancer, not necessarily like the palm style, like the whole, you know, cheerleader. I wanted to kind of get separate myself from that a little bit and grow as a dancer out here and what better place to do that than like literally the best dancers the best entertainment industry is out here so that was my goal I wanted to get in as much class as possible get made like get an um, audition with an agent and kind of just go from there and wing it yeah yeah that you did and that I did yeah I uh, winged it for a while (laughs) Um, and I, I did sign with my dream agency um, after moving out here. I signed during the pandemic um, with MSA, which I'm like super, super excited about. There we go. Yeah. And I mean, and, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here to talk about this, because obviously there's going to be some people who listen to this who are like, I don't give a shit about right. the Dallas Cowboy, <laughs> Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. I don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. Don't really care. The reason why I wanted to tell this is because I feel like most of the time when someone tells this story, the happy ending is on year three, I made it right. right? right. And, and for you, it was like, and on year three, I actually didn't even go as far as I did the first two years. <laughs> yeah. I got my ass slapped back. Right? right. And I got rejected about as hard as it can. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and, but it's that thing of like re- rejection, such an ugly word. Like when people say that it almost kind of makes your skin crawl of like, Ooh, that sounds painful. It sounds like their life is over. Right. Yeah. And it's like, but it's not, it's, it's almost like a rejection from going down that path, right? right? Like a rejection from, it's like when a highway is blocked off and you got to take another route. That's what it was for you. It wasn't a rejection of your life is now over. You're 20 some years old and your life is over. It's no, that path, there's a detour now. And and now you got to figure out where that, where is that next step for you? You know? And because I remember thinking at that time, I just wanted you to be happy as a mm-hmm. friend. I, I was like, man, I'm fucking tired of these phone calls. Are you crying? Like, that's mm-hmm. just depressing. I'm like, I want to see if I want to see a happy Christy, right. you know? And cause I remember when I moved out to LA, I said to myself, I was like, Mark, you've got no drama. You've got no bullshit. Mm-hmm. Life is good. You don't you don't even know anybody here. That's a city of however many millions of people it's, it's too damn big. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just want to be happy. I just, 
I'm done making goals. I don't really have, even today, like I don't really have any goals. If people are like, you know, do you have a goal? I'm like to be happy every day. You know, I I don't really like, I don't have financial goals. You know, I don't really have, you know, business goals. I really don't like everything I do. I want to be successful with, like, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. When I started this podcast, it's not like, I'm like, Oh, I just want four people to listen to it. And that's it. You know? No, my goal is for it to, I feel like a lot of people could, could be helped by listening to conversations like this. But my goal with it is to enjoy it, to enjoy the process, to enjoy the conversations that I've had. And you and I have known each other for a very long time. And just having this conversation, it's, it's, you know, therapeutic, I'm sure for you to talk Mm -hmm. about and kind of, you know, relive some of this stuff, but then also to see how far you've come since then, you know? So sorry, not no, no, go. But yeah, I mean, being rejected sucks. And it's like, through getting rejected through the Dallas Cowboys, it's like I've realized rejection is the protection that I needed Yeah, of being on the path that I was actually meant to be on. Um, and now I love rejection. Honestly, I, it fuels me. And if I wasn't, if I didn't learn how to handle rejection and why I was hurt through that rejection, then I don't think I would be where I'm at and like happy where I'm at. Yeah. I think that's incredibly true because I think when you talk about not just rejection in careers, but rejection in relationships, rejection Mm -hmm. in friendships, rejection in literally anything, rejection happens all the damn time, right? right? And even when it comes to dating, like it it used to be that if I like, if I asked a girl out and, and she wasn't overly interested or whatever, I used to be like, oh man, fuck, you know, it's, it's cause I'm five, seven, <laughs> you know? And I remember just being like, damn it. Like I can't get a knee replacement and get, yeah. get a leg replacement and be six two. Like that's not something I can do, you know? But eventually my, my, my mind shifted to, it's not a, it's not a rejection. It's well, they weren't right for me anyway. Right. You know, and I, let me find that right person, right. you know? And, uh, and, and, you know, and, and I feel like a lot of it is mindset, right? Like 100%. it's like a mindset change. And and that's with L.A., I feel like it kind of forces you to do that because you get rejected all the time. Every you know? day. Yeah. Much. Yeah. You yeah. know, I see people go and shoot with another photographer and I'm like, oh, damn. OK, that could have been me. But mm-hmm. OK, you know, right. and and it's like and you get so used to that. But I feel like and you grow from it, you know, Absolutely. you you grow from it and you become the best version of you. So what, how many years now have you been out here? Two. Two. Okay. So what do you feel like are some of the biggest things that you've learned about yourself in the last few years, kind of going through everything that you went through with the Dallas Cowboys Childers, moving out to LA? Obviously it's not going to be, you know, sunshine and candy canes, right? When you move out here, there's going to be struggle. Right. So what have you, what do you feel like you've learned throughout this entire process? Um, I mean, I've learned more about myself. I feel like I've always, I always had a a strong support system, you know, even with my family living, you know, Dallas to Michigan and whatnot, you know, now my family's literally across the United States and Michigan. And I learned that I can handle things on my own. Like when I'm out here and, you know, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. And it's like, I didn't have a place to live for the first six months of living out here. You know, it's, And I wasn't going to call my mom and dad and be like, you know what, the place where I was staying, you know, I got, I, I can't stay there and I'm sleeping in my car. Like, I'm not going to call and tell them that because I didn't, I didn't want to put that stress on them. So it's like, I learned to be mentally strong, figure my shit out on my own. And that's something where I feel like I've always had kind of like a crutch of the support system 
where like now when that was like no longer right next to me, I was able to figure out a lot on my own. And it's like, I don't know. I just, I've figured out, you know, what makes me happy and what, you know, where I want to be dancing or what kind of style I want to be doing, what makes me feel good, not necessarily what someone else is going to like, you know, I've, I've had friends from Dallas that, you know, I no longer I'm friends with because they don't necessarily agree with my dancing out here. And at the end of the day, it's like their opinion does not matter. My opinion matters and what makes Christy happy. And I feel like for the first time, like in my life that I've actually been able to be at peace with that. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously incredibly powerful. I mean, I think that we, I always try to remind myself of that and try to remind others too, is that at the end of the day, it's your life. Right. Like when you, when you get ready for bed at night and you're washing your face and you're looking yourself in the mirror, that's you, that's mm-hmm. your life. Right. And you got to be happy with that. Right. And so you got to be happy with the decisions that you make, whether other people agree or not, you know, you have to be happy with those decisions. And there's all sorts of things that people are constantly deciding where they want to live, what career they want to pursue, the people they want to date, the things they want to do, you know, what they want to show of their body, what they don't want to show of their body, you know, Mm -hmm. all those sorts of things. And everybody makes decisions. But at the end of the day, it is your decision what to do with yourself and your body and your, you know, career and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And the people who are truly supporters of you will always be there, always be there, Yeah, you know? No matter what, even even during the times when we would talk about what you were choosing to do, mm-hmm. I was always vocal with you about how you know what I thought from from an outside standpoint, from a friend standpoint, just trying to be honest with you of what I thought you know could be best for you. Right. But then whether you took my advice or didn't take my advice or whatever, it then switched to okay. But now I'm like I'm I'm supporting you. Like whatever yeah. you do, even I remember when you tried out. For the third year, I remember just being like, God bless it. Like, holy shit, if she doesn't make this fucking team. But but I remember just thinking to myself, but I'm but I'm supporting you. I want you to rock it. I want you to do your best. I want you to make this damn team. Right. And then and then once you, you know, didn't make it and you were trying to figure out where to go next, I was like, Well, I want you to come out to LA because I I was seeing so many people. I had done photo shoots with people in the dance community and I was seeing all these people that were, you know, even making progress in their dance careers on YouTube and TikTok and well, not TikTok at the time, but like that was Musical.ly or whatever. Vine, you know, Vine was blowing Mm -hmm. up at the time. And, uh, and so I remember seeing that and just being like, damn, like I want Christy out here because I know she could kick ass. A lot of opportunity. Yeah. A lot of opportunity Mm -hmm. and more than anywhere else, you know? And so you know, obviously, you know, as a friend, I was there to support you no matter what you did. And it's been cool to obviously see everything that you've accomplished in the last few years and to see, you know, that this is still like the early chapters. Yeah. You know, like this is yeah. not like the story of Christy Fisher is finished. Like this right. is we're in the very, very early like chapters. Started. Hell yeah, you're just getting started. <laughs> so, I mean, it's exciting and it's... um. You know, I mean, it, it's been, you know, just obviously very fun to see as a friend and, and everything like that. And so, so, I mean, on a, on a, I guess like a side note, so mm-hmm. then this is just completely random, but you adopted a dog, right? <laughs> My child. Yes. You d- adopted a child. <laughs> Your little pup. Yes. I adopted Rue. Um, my roommate and I, roommate and I both adopted a dog, um, from a shelter and it was right when the pandemic hit, um, 
I was go, 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 never home, um, working like three jobs and trying to dance as much as I can. And um, all of a sudden the pandemic hit and I was let go from my job. And I was sitting at home for like 24 hours and I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do with my life? Because I'm constantly doing something. And I was like, okay, let's, let's get a cat. In my room, I was like, no, we're not getting a cat. So we're like, let's go to the shelter tomorrow. So we were like, okay, we get, you know, we took two dogs home and they quickly became our children. And yeah, and Rue is honestly like one of the best things that's ever happened to me. I've learned a lot of, um, a lot of patience and a lot of things like you know, through having a dog of my own, I've always had dogs growing up, but like having a dog of your own that supports on you, you know, supports or you have to support 24 seven. It's, it's a different, it's a different feel. So yeah, you know, I, I am super happy that I have her and I feel like it's, it helps with being so far away from home. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, I, I remember when you first got Rue and just kind of thinking to myself, like Christy seems so genuinely happy and it oh, was, yeah. it was good to see that and, and good to see how much, I mean, the little adorable little like outfits and shit you have Rue wearing <laughs> at times. So you are definitely, ex- <laughs> you're extra as hell, but, <laughs> but it was like the, the love that you have for your pup is, uh-huh. was adorable. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I fully support that, but and it was, and hell, it made me even think about whether I should get a dog or something at some point. Um, yeah. I'm not ready for that yet, but, uh, at some point. Yeah. And, uh, we'll know when it's the right time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like having a kid, um, that just never grows up, but, <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was cool to see. And so, okay. So now we've kind of wrapped it up to like where you were beginning of COVID. You, mm-hmm. you end up, um, you adopt Rue. Mm-hmm. You then throughout COVID, you get, you signed to this agency that right. dance agency that you're with now. So where are we at now? So, you know, I, I have a full-time job. Um, I work in data science, which I don't even know if you knew that, but nope. <laughs> again, I'm all over the place at all times, but I work in data science. Um, I'm also still dancing, um, doing, you know, some gigs when they come here and there. Um, a lot of self-submitting. Um, also, you know, trying to get more work through my agency. But also, you know, you have to work for yourself, too, out here. You can't just sit around and wait for your agent to pass you opportunities. You, you have to hustle for yourself. Um, so I'm, I'm still doing that, you know, every day, self-submitting. Um, I also started a, my own company, um, which is a dog bag company that I'm super excited about with. And if I didn't have Rue, that would have never came um, to light. So I'm really excited about that. And let's see what else. Well, and before you go further, I mean, Christy showed me the prototype of this like dog bag. And mm-hmm. we got to clarify, her dog is is very tiny. It's not like we're talking about like a hundred pound pit bull here. So she acts like it. Yeah, but, but she's uh, the size of a, like a football. So yeah. <laughs> she is a tiny pup. And uh and so you showed me this dog bag and mm-hmm. that, that was really cool. Cause it was, uh, I mean, it's, I'm excited to see that and excited for you to get that going. And, um, you know, and uh, I mean, it's cool to see how the journey, you know, continues to wind, right? Like right. that's, that's life for all of us to anybody who's listening to this right now is that life is a, is a ever wondering, you know, kind of path and, and wandering path and, and you're going down it and you don't necessarily know where it's going to go. Right. And you take each day, I mean, even with COVID hitting, none of us knew what a damn pandemic was a year and a half ago, right. but now we do. Now we know everything about it. You know, I, I used to, you know, go through an airport and see somebody wearing, you know, one of the masks and I'd be like, what do they know that I don't know? Yeah. And and now I'm like, that'll, that'll be a crazy day someday when we fly without one, you right. know? And so 
life is always changing. We're in this, you know, ever changing world and all we can do is, is play the cards that are dealt to us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think one of the biggest takeaways that I wanted people to see is that, you know, I don't, I don't know if the hurt always translates over, but for, through a, you know, conversation, but the hurt that I saw you experience Mm -hmm. through everything that you dealt with in the, in the rejection and the not knowing what you were going to do in the, questioning yourself and wondering what should you do and and having options on the table but not knowing what to do you know I saw that as a friend and and I was like damn I just want Christy to be happy and and so seeing you today I can I can easily say it's the mm-hmm. happiest I've ever I've ever seen you and yeah, and uh you know I love seeing that and love seeing just kind of your genuine excitement about just life and mm-hmm. um because I think in life sometimes I feel like people feel like well, if one thing doesn't work out for me, I'm screwed. Right. And it's like, that's not true. There's just a new path. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know. It's easy to think about that, though. Like, if you, like, I, as I reflect on, like, this past year or the year before, the past five years of my life, it's like, if that rejection would have dictated my future and I it didn't fuel me, if it, if it would have went the other way, like, I don't even want to, I don't even like thinking about that. But it's yeah. like, I don't know. It's, if you, it's so important to let it, fuel you you don't have to be like okay I got rejected what's the next plan it's like you're okay to like be hurt and like really understand why that hurts but then have it kind of like take you a different path is like it's a really beautiful moment yeah what do you feel like you've learned you know and I feel like we've semi kind of talked about this mm-hmm. but what do you feel like you've learned the most about yourself from you know the Christie that graduated high school and and was you know trying to figure out what steps to take mm-hmm. next to where you're at now, where you have a dog and, mm-hmm. and you're working on a company and you're also doing data science and you're still doing these auditions and things mm-hmm. like that. What do you feel like some of the biggest you know lessons that you've learned about yourself? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I'm always learning, trying to learn something every day about myself. But one of the biggest things is it's not always well, if I get this or if this happens or if I'm in a different state, it's that like, if I make this team, I'll be happy. If I get this job, I'll be happy. It's like every day you should be happy, whether you're in Michigan, Iowa, California, Texas, it's like whatever happens in your life or rejection or things like that, that doesn't dictate your life. You know, you dictate your life and you can choose to be happy whether you have that job, or if you're unemployed, like you make that decision. And I think that's what I've learned the most. And I'm still learning it. Believe me, I'm no expert, but like if you get rejected or if, if your boyfriend breaks up with you or if your best friend, you know, no longer wants to be best friends with you, it's like those things suck, you know, it's hard to process. But at the end of the day, it's like you have the, the choice to be happy or to not be happy. And that, I mean, I feel like that's what I've learned the most and still learning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, it, it's something that I, I feel like myself, I try to constantly self-reflect mm-hmm. and, and just say to myself, is there, can you be a better version of you? And the answer is always yes. But in what ways can I, can I be a better version of me? And am I, am I checking in on friends enough? Mm-hmm. Am I, you know, calling my parents enough? Am I, uh, you know, just whatever am I doing enough things for to make the world a, a fucking better place right mm-hmm. and am I just am I is there anything I'm doing that I, I'm not enjoying you right. know and I I feel like right now the nice part is I'm in a financial position where I feel like I can turn down anything if I if I don't want to do it I don't have to mm-hmm. and that part is nice and uh 
the more people listen to this podcast, the more I can continue doing that. So please like, subscribe, download all that. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but no, I'm not making shit off this. But uh, but one the day. One, one day. day, one day, Joe Rogan coming for your neck. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's that thing of I just say to myself every day, like if I continue enjoying this, I'm going to continue doing it. And the moment I stop enjoying it is the moment I stop doing it. And until then, I'm going to take every day for what it is. I'm going to continue to surround myself with with awesome people. Right. And uh, if one of those awesome people decides to stop being awesome, we just kick them the fuck out. Uh, kick them to the curb. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's. Um, I feel like I've really learned that I need to, you know, we always have to prioritize our mental health. We have to prioritize the people in our life that really are, are genuine people that are there for us and want us to succeed and people that motivate us too. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's so important to be around people who are doing things and, right. and people who are, you know, the people that don't talk about it, they do it, you right. know? Those are the doers. Yeah. I mean, even like when you told me about this, this uh, dog bag company, mm-hmm. when you, you were like, oh, and I have like a prototype designed, I'm thinking I'm going to see something where it's like, I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't even want to tell you what I was thinking it was going to be. I would love to hear what you, you said. It was going you, to be. you kind of said like a dog bed, right? Sort of. I don't remember the exact wording of it. I was well, expecting... I mispronounced because these damn braces on my teeth. Yeah, maybe that's it. Um, <laughs> but I I expected you were going to show me like a like a like you sewed a dog bed. <laughs> like one of those beds that people have for their dog. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, whatever. Then you showed me the actual thing. And it's a yeah. it's a legitimate, like a almost like a backpack, but for your dog. Right. And it's a legitimate, incredible design. Thank you. And... And I was like, oh, no, this shit's legit. This is super dope. Yeah, so it's going to blow up. Yeah, I might even uh, I might even have to get a dog just so I can under just so I can buy months. one under 15. That's months. a very tiny dog. <laughs> I mean, Ruth's 6.5, but no. yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's wait, she's six and a half pounds. Yeah, but she's tall. Like she's really long legs. She does have long legs. So she looks a little bit heavier, but she's skinny. <laughs> but, um, no, I'm really excited about the 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 dog bag company. And and it's I'm really excited for that to like blow up and for everyone to see it um also there's part of the proceeds are going to go towards shelters so that's what i'm really most excited about is like yeah i'm gonna you know get the bag out there but also i'm gonna be able to make an impact for you know those dogs that really have one no voice and they're not making any money so i want to make money for them and um save as many lives as possible and you know get as many dogs into training that wouldn't have that training that would get them adopted and things like that so um, I'm really excited about it and we'll see maybe the next podcast I'm on is talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, I remember when my friend Ida started, uh, evil queen candles uh-huh. and she started that shit out of her kitchen and now it's, you know, she's, uh, huge. you know, yeah, the company's worth millions and she's killing it and she's now back in, uh, she's in Traverse city, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was on the first episode of the podcast and then I believe she was on the 10th when she, uh, when she interviewed me actually. But, um, you know, I mean, I, Hey, I've seen plenty of friends start businesses and I love seeing the progress of those. And so, um, you know, I'm looking forward to when it's, uh, the next big thing. And so, you know, we'll be, you know, when this comes out, cause this is literally coming out like two hours after we're done with this conversation. Oh, no way. Um, <laughs> when, when it's actually, when the, when the, um, when your company is live, we'll be posting that and everybody can, uh, they'll go and follow you on your socials and everything. So they Thanks, can see Mark. that too. But, um, but yeah, so just to wrap it up, we're going to end with a nice a lighter note. We're going to end with a game of this or that. So oh boy. Just, uh, just a few things here. 
So real simple. I give you two options. You pick one. Okay. So rain or snow? Snow. Why is that? Because then at least you can snowboard. True. True. I will say, though, the one thing I do miss about living in L.A., I, I really miss, like, the light rain when you're falling asleep. Like, Yeah, the rain sound on, like, the tin roof. Yeah, that, yeah, that is so nice. comforting. It's a nice sound. It is a nice sound, but you can always just, like, put it on your phone. That's true. That's true. But, like, that, that nice, like, fresh <laughs> smell of rain, too. Like, it's got that scent, you yeah. know? I, that's the one thing I do miss about about Michigan because it rains basically every day there. Yeah, uh, every single day. Yeah. Is um, this this or that or is this Mark's opinion? No, no. <laughs> just just gen- All right, Christy, this is over. Uh, <laughs> friendship over. All right, next one. Dallas or L.A.? L.A. That was another firm answer. Yeah, duh. I wouldn't be here if I picked Dallas. Well, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Uh, Detroit Pistons dance team or Michigan State dance team? Ooh... Detroit Pistons. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Detroit Pistons definitely, I don't know. I, they were both super fun. It's a different beast. You know, walking out of the Spartan Stadium at a football game is a different beast than walking out to like a Detroit Pistons game that a lot of people didn't go to those games. They weren't the best. Team. No, they sucked back yeah, then. Yeah, they did that, suck. That was unfortunate. But, um, my dad was always in the audience. I loved watching that, but seeing him there, but um, I mean, I don't know. I would say Detroit Pistons. I got to travel. I got to travel the world with that team. And that's something I've always wanted to do as well. Totally fair. Mm-hmm. Next, uh, being by the lake or being by the ocean? By the lake. 100%. You know, that, that's one thing I feel like people who aren't from Michigan don't necessarily understand how great uh, lake life is. Yeah. But man, I mean, I think the stat is... You can't go more than a mile in Michigan without hitting a fresh body of water. Which is beautiful. There's no sharks. Yeah, there's no sharks. Don't fuck with sharks. No sharks, but we're we're anti-shark podcast. Um, <laughs> we want them to live, just not near us. Um, but uh, but the, yeah, I mean, the lakes, like, there's nothing better than, you know, when yeah. your buddy's got that lake house uh, and you're like... Wake surfing. Have you ever been wake surfing? No, see, I'm not coordinated. You could do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. You know how you don't like reject or you're not a fan of when you had to deal with rejection. Yeah. I'm not a fan of when people are like, Mark, you're going to do great doing that. And, and then, then I go suck. up there and I bust ass. <laughs> okay. So I'm not a fan because I also know my friends. The only way that anybody would ever get me to do that is if there were no phones, no cameras allowed, mm-hmm. because when I bust my ass the first like 10 times, yeah. I don't want I don't want to be uh, yeah. destroyed on social media. And I know my friends. And because I, I know I would do it, I would destroy them if they busted their ass. Mm-hmm. So I know they would do the no same to me. So I got to make sure if I ever do that, it's uh, in a place where I can uh, bust my ass and not have anybody laughing mm-hmm. at me because I feel like I'll then get in my own head. Mm-hmm. So I need to just uh, I need to go to one of those, uh, you know, those um, like those parks and shit where yeah. they it's like, yeah, where it's they like man-made waves. Yeah, I need one of those things. Have you ever been surfing out here? Uh, I've surfed in Hawaii. I haven't surfed oh, okay. in uh, in California. We'll have to go here. Yeah, the water's very cold. It is cold, but don't be a baby. Put it's a, it's a little. On. It's a little warmer in Hawaii. And you just can't think about the sharks here. But other than well, that, I mean, Hawaii's got them too. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So I did. I'm not really worried about sharks. It's just more of a. I'll go uh, to Hawaii. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's leave tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, next, this is the last question. Okay. If you could go back in time and change the course of your history. And make the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Let's say that third time around you made the team, mm-hmm. but you don't know how the rest of your life would play out after that. Mm-hmm. 
Would you rather go back and change history or would you like the life that you have now? I would stay with the life I have now, 100%. You know, it's, I'm really glad you answered that that way because if you didn't, it probably would have. You wouldn't have aired this podcast, Yeah, I would have been you? like, oh, damn it. We got to cut this <laughs> shit. No, def- I mean, definitely. I would. I think about that actually a lot. Um, I've been asked that a lot and I would not change a single thing Yeah. at all. And that wholeheartedly would not change at all because in my mind, I was going to make the Cowboys. I was going to do that for a couple of years. And then I was going to have, you know, settle down, have babies and, and that'd be that. And I would have looking back on how much I've done since then, um, would have missed out on a lot of growth and opportunity. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, think that's completely true and we're a product of our past experiences so Mm -hmm. everything that we've experienced has brought us to where we are today and without our past experiences we wouldn't be where we are today and we don't know you know that that hurt and the pain that we feel when things don't go our way are what shape us into who we are right you know all of that is you know even when you came here today you said mark you know, your skin looks good right now. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that because you also know I've been through hell and back with right. that stuff. So it was, you know, that's something and that's a constant battle. That's something we deal with, you know, every day. But it's something that, you know, you're a product of your past experiences and you wouldn't be who you were or who you are today without those. Exactly. You know? So, you know, to anybody who's listening to this, maybe who's recently dealt with some sort of rejection or, you know, whatever in life. Just remember, that's rejection from that path. But the path, that's your life is not over. There's just a different path. And that doesn't always mean in a negative way. That's mm-hmm. it's, it's always, I mean, it's all about your mindset. You can determine whether that's going to be a negative uh, new path or a positive new path. But it's all about how you perceive it. And it's about how you channel that energy and tell yourself, you know, you use that rejection to fuel yourself to mm-hmm. say, okay, I'm going to go out to LA and I'm going to kick ass. And you've 100%. done that. And, you know, and you've, uh, you know, you've become uh, such a strong person. And it's, it's cool, once again, to to see that, um, you know, it used to be like five crying moments a year. Uh-huh. And now we're down to like maybe none. I, I mean, with, with each other, I'm saying like I used to have yeah. that, you know, those phone calls with you and stuff. And we're we're making so much progress, so much, progress. so much progress. Yeah. And no, it's been super cool to see. And this is just uh, we're still in like chapter three of Christy Fisher. Oh, so I mean, two. no, I was kidding. It's also <laughs> cool to see Mark. Like, I feel like I was one of the first few. I mean, I mean, I'm early stages of when you and you were starting to shoot in in um, East Lansing. Oh, you definitely were. Yeah. I mean, you were probably within the first 10 people I've ever shot with. Which is super cool to see. And like now I feel like I'm on the early stages of your podcast. And it's like, it's cool to be a part of your journey. Yeah. And like see all your, your different entities. Why, thank you. The uh, My default photo for you and my phone is still a photo that we shot in East Lansing. I think I had you standing in like a bush. Oh, <laughs> Lord, I would love to it's, see that. It's a, it's a pretty <laughs> photo, to be honest. But it was like, you know, that was back in the day where I didn't know how to get uh, good lighting if we were shooting in the middle of the day. So I had you stand somewhere where <laughs> where you were at least a little bit sheltered. Um, and uh, do you remember the time we were we were shooting in, in East Lansing and the guy yelled at us because we were in the back of that like forest? We, I feel like we get yelled at a lot. Wait, do you remember that though? When we were we were in the back of like, <gasps> yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, I think that guy was growing weed back there. 
He's doing something. I think so. for anybody who's listening to this who doesn't know what the hell we're talking about, there was a time we were shooting in East Lansing, Michigan. We were shooting in the middle of nowhere, basically. And we had kind of pulled over on like the side of this road mm-hmm. and there was this like empty lot and we just and it was kind of like foresty and shit. And we just started walking back, just kind of exploring it, seeing what was back there. We were pretty deep back yeah. there. And all of a sudden, this guy just appears out of nowhere and doesn't say anything to us until he's like five feet away from us. Kind of thought he was going to murder us for a quick second. And he was like, what the F are you guys doing back here? You know, you guys need to you guys are on private property. You need to get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. And and what the hell made you guys think you could come back here and we just started walking back, and yeah. and I remember it was like a decently long walk. It's like five five minute walks. We were you know uh, back in the middle of this thing, and he was just yelling at us the entire way. You were saying something. I hate confrontation, so I know I wasn't saying anything. I can't remember if I was confrontational or not. Not but too confrontational. You were definitely you know you're like I'm so you you apologize. You didn't. Yeah, know, I was but. trying to not get killed. I thought this guy was gonna kill us, and then and then by the time I left there, I was like, I kind of feel like that guy was probably growing weed back there yeah. or something like that, and trying to not like maybe we were too close to his product. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? I'm just uh, happy to be alive. Yeah, I've actually I uh, this is just random, uh, but I've always said I should fly my drone over that area and just see if mm. anything was over there, but. Imagine what it is today. Yeah, who knows? (laughs) Well, now it's legal. So if he does have weed back there, it's probably a profitable business. That's true. But uh, okay, so to wrap it up, we just went on a little tangent there. But to wrap it up, Christy, plug your socials. Where can people find you? IG at Christy Dash Fisher. No, underscore. I don't even know. IG. Are you kidding me? (laughs) All right. Wait, we got to look this up now. You didn't prep me for this. What do you mean? It's your Instagram. Oh, okay. It is Christy (laughs) underscore Fisher. Underscore Fisher, okay? C R I S T I underscore Fisher. Yes, sir. If you can't spell Fisher. I'm sorry. I don't know how to help you. Uh, but thank you for coming on to the podcast. I feel like this is a great conversation for a lot of people to listen to. So thank you for coming on. Thank you, Mark, for having me. No problem at all. Last. And uh, to everybody else, hope you're having a great day. Yeah. Bye. Thank See you, everyone. See you guys.